be a lot of paper rustling, I don't mind that. Paper rustling is actually not that bad. Yeah, paper so, rustling's alright. Sounds professional. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to Footy Flicks on Radio Thamesmead, the show where three boys who know nothing about film and even less about football review some of the most well-known flicks made about the beautiful game. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode four of Footy Flicks, coming live and direct as ever on Radio Thamesmead. Four episodes, boys. Four episodes. How are we feeling? We're a month in. A month. A month in. That's right. And what have we gained? What have we lost? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today we're. I'm joined as ever with Carlos and Joe, um, and we're talking about. We led up to it last week. I know you're excited. Some thought it wasn't going to happen, but it's happened. (laughs) Some didn't want it to happen, but it's here. And it's happening. All right. And it's live. It's goal three. All right. Carlos, you said that you've got some facts on the uh, director of this little piece. Right, we'll kick it off with that then. Goal 3 came out in 2008. The director is called Andy Morahan. I checked his IMDb. Yeah. Not much notable work. (laughs) You surprised me. (laughs) But it turns out his real forte was he was a music video director and he produced films on a lot of the artists who he made music videos for interesting one being the pet shop boys oh wow. so that's, that's a int- bit of stuff on andy that's really nice actually i'm really pleased you did that um okay i think that we should start off with a little overview of the plot so joe can, take it can away. i interject i'd love you to can we have a little recap of where the goal series left us before oh, that sounds perfect because i started watching this and i'd already forgotten yeah well the listeners won't have forgotten Thanks to our blindingly good review. <laughs> um, so, goal one, Santiago Munez gets scouted from the middle of nowhere, basically, goes to Newcastle, then goes to, then Matt has like a meteoric rise to fame. Take over goal two. Goal two? He gets his big move to Real Madrid Ooh. with his old pal Gavin Harris. <laughs> God, Gavin. Um... However, relationship on the rocks. One of the last scenes in goal two is Roz, um, his then girlfriend, fiance, who um, displays a baby bump, mm. which is something that not all of the all of the viewers might have seen. I know you didn't, Lewis. No, I didn't. But you know that that leaves it kind of precariously balanced, shall we say? And what a lovely move that goal three left you on a. Jeffy you on your tenterhooks at the end of goal two and thought, you know what? Let's never show you this character ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carlos, what happened in goal three? Goal three? Right. What happened in goal What didn't happen in goal three? <laughs> nah. You know what? My, my response to goal three, let's start with a theme, which this week is going to be riches to rags for me. <laughs> I love that. Edit out, edit out. No, that, that is not making it out. All right, um, so what happened in the plot, though? Plot of goal three. It's hard for me to say this because... Because you haven't watched it yet again. <laughs> <laughs> the plot of goal three is so off-key from the other two films that it's hard to give a summary of the plot without ruining our reviews. But I'll attempt it. Goal three is basically Santiago Munez disappears with injury but makes a few cam- cameo 
appearances. Looking like Elvis Presley, by the way. Yeah, he yeah. sorted the trim out. Well, sorted is one word. <laughs> but, okay, goal three. You've got two young England players who both play for Real Madrid. Um, and they're going through hard times. They have injuries. They have off-the-pitch problems. Ends up with them at the World Cup and ends in tragedy for one. And I guess happiness for the other and that's about it yeah what, what should really be said about this is that um football is kind of like an auxiliary part of this film it's more um like it's following two love stories of these kind of pathetic absolutely pathetic english players yeah i'm looking at yeah. my notes and one of my notes was where is the football question mark yeah but i think it was like the first two were football films and the third one was just like a crap rom-com yeah, yeah people, I think it, was, it was full of people you didn't like yeah it was like well I couldn't help thinking that it was like an in-betweeners film or like, like a, <laughs> yeah. that's a like, discredit to in-betweeners yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the American take on in-betweeners yeah film. but you know what the first 20 minutes is them discovering that they are selected for the England squad yeah and for some crazy reason, Charlie Braithwaite. Wait, I've got a question. Had yeah. we met Charlie Braithwaite before? No. No. Okay, thank God. No, no, this no. is the same way that that TJ Harper slipped into the end of goal two and had like a massive cameo as if we were all best mates with him and we'd never yeah. seen him before at yeah, any yeah. point. Genius. So, yeah, so for the first 20 minutes of this film, it's a, it follows them as they kind of dis- as they're discovering that they're um, part of the England squad. Mm. And for some strange reason, Charlie Braithwaite um, has got like a job as like an extra or like he's in a film. Now he's the main character. Oh, sorry. He's the main character in a film in Eastern Europe somewhere. Romania. Romania. In Romania. And this, so it's following them as they're kind of on the set for this film. And it really reminded me of Skins. You know, yeah, when they go to Russia, they go to Russia. Just, and that it was like the the director of this film really reminded me of yeah. like some like ridiculous one of those ridiculous characters in Skins. You know when they go on the school trip to Russia. Yeah, I haven't seen Skins. Oh, oh get back to two thousand eight and do it right. Can I? Yeah, go on. Can I say I want to hear some reviews out of you both because okay. we've we've slipped into the plot and I think we're all on the same page. Yeah, but I want to hear your review. I want to see what you say about it. All right. Um, sometimes people say like say you introduce like uh, a song or a TV show to a friend and you could say like oh, I felt kind of bad doing that for him I felt embarrassed making myself watch this film mm. I was honestly I was gutted in, in, my, in what I'd done to myself I think th- I think this is possibly the worst thing I've ever seen like if this would be, if this was on YouTube with like thirteen views made by four boys in Rotherham, it would have been a better cinematic experience than what's just come out of Hollywood. I want to give you some insight into the behind the scenes meetings at Footy Flicks HQ, <laughs> and there was one member of the team. I'm not going to say his name, but he is speaking. Who said that we should <laughs> never ever watch Goal Free? And I was overruled by the vote of two to one. So no, 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 no. You, know, you, you were, were overruled by the punters. I was overruled by... And even the punters the general are now will. devastated that they overruled the general. <laughs> um, yeah, so to finish it up, the 
Like the fact that the film's even called Goal Three is a is a joke because it has literally nothing to do with the first the first goals, which are actually in hindsight looking like incredible films now. They are. I missed them. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed them. Goal One looked great. I I just actually this is why I should have done more homework. So I've taken Carlos's role today, but I really really want to know the decision that led to the main character not being in like the final film of a trilogy, because that that makes absolutely and then introducing two people that you'd never met before. Well, I've got a theory from the research that I did. So Goal 1 came out in 2005. Goal 2 was quickly turned around for 2007. And what we we all spoke about last week about the Adidas sponsorship, you probably noticed that the glitz and the glamour was gone because the money had basically gone. Adidas weren't backing them anymore. There was no, like, product placement. So... Is that confirmed or is that... You it's me saying it, but it. it's... No, because it makes a lot of sense. It's true because, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm probably wrong, but I'm probably right. But no. it's true because there's no... None of the product placement... We none of the, even the, none balls, of the famous players are in it again. No, even the balls that they're using are just standard, like, mm. £2 Tesco footballs. But... Um, just to let you know, other supermarkets and providers are available. They are. Um, but my theory about the film was someone thought it'd be a good idea to make it they maybe had a bit of budget left or they thought they 30 could just, quid yeah they had 30 quid left but each film has had a different director the first one was american second one was spanish because they're in spain and then the third one was an english director and they i think they wanted to make a film about the world cup and use that but it was just <laughs> I think it was budget over overspill, and they just thought mm. we'd make another. There's one. been more money spent on music videos made on phones yeah. by year eight. Yeah, and they've come out with something much better. Yeah, which is ironic, seeing as the only thing that the director was good at is making music videos. Very true. Thank you, uh, Joe. What's your review then? Yeah, kind of leading on. Goals producers really butchered any chance they had of leaving us with a positive impression of the goal franchise. Mm. And it was yeah, utterly awful from start to finish and stunk of an afterthought. Absolutely stunk of an afterthought. Afterthought's a great word. Yeah, and if we kind of weren't being like bamboozled by slapstick kind of in between us esque action, we were forced to endure embarrassing plot twists and romantic events. I mean, it was truly, truly awful. Um, and what I kind of found most distressing is the fact that I was questioning at several points whether they were like trying to they were taking themselves seriously or not, which yeah. is a, an awful position to be in because you've got to stick to one or the other. <laughs> Don't you think? Like, it's like you're yeah. either funny and you're trying yeah. to make it funny or you're taking yourself seriously, but you're honestly kind of in this weird in-between yeah. kind of zone with this film. At four separate points on my notes... I've written what is going on at four separate points so in one true. film. I've got one. I don't think it can be aired, but in capitals, <laughs> I wrote what the actual is going on. Yeah. If the listeners want to tweet in with what they think the missing word was, <laughs> you can do it at footyflix442 twitter.com. Right. Um, I think that it's important for us to raise uh, the fact that Carlos is looking at me and saying I want to do more of my review so Carlos take it away I just want to give my review quickly yeah. to say even though it's already been given um, this is hands down cemented the worst film I've ever seen in my life and I'm not just I'm not being dramatic because no, I can get on board with that I was gonna at the start 
play devil's advocate and try and wind these two up and say I actually quite liked it. I can tell you're going to do that. Yeah, was, he just, just to let you know, I know that the listeners are, will love this kind of insight, but we've got a group chat and Carlos and Carlos dropped on it this morning, Christ, goal free, class. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going for that role, but there, there's three things that cemented this being the worst film I've ever seen. The first one was Charlie Braithwaite, the main player, is the same actor from Green Street who played a horrible, ratty, just like nasty guy. In and he was Street. quite good at that. And he was good at that. That's and that's what his face looks yeah, like. Yeah, that's his role. He was like and, one of that film's saving graces, basically. Yeah. yeah, in Green Street. And then in this film, he's gone from being the ugly, horrible, nasty guy to the world's sexiest footballer, the pin-up man, who's getting with the most beautiful Romanian women in the world. So that was number one. Number two was in Gold 2, they had a cameo appearance from Florentino Perez. In this one, they had Mike Ashley. I was hoping you'd bring that up. And then the third That's final Michael one, Ashley to you. Michael Ashley, yeah. <laughs> yeah get out of here, Mike <laughs> Ashley. But the third point and final point... He looks so sheepish in it as well. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> it's so weird. The worst cameo. He's not, it's not even a cameo. He just like, it's like they forgot the camera was rolling and he was just hanging around on set. Yeah, and he said he had one line and it was, off, PK. <laughs> Yeah. He was like one of his I mates. didn't even notice. Yeah, 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 he did. But yeah, and then the final one quickly was it was so lazy, it was actually quite racist. Like, even to the Geordies, in the first film, the Geordies were like seen as lovable one town football people. Yeah. In this one, they were just absolute idiots. And then the Swedish women were just seen <laughs> as like always naked and overly sexualized, yeah. like playing on stupid racist stereotypes. And then. The final one was when they played against Trinidad and Tobago. You've got all of the black guys there and they're all smoking weed. And, yeah. That like, bit was honestly shocking. It's just so, it was embarrassing. It like, was. And to, to chuck in a bit of racism just feels like, yeah, they've, <laughs> they've, they've, they've topped off the cake, they're done. Yeah, it was, I'd completely forgotten to include that part in my review, but that was possibly the thing that <clears throat> makes this the worst film ever made. Lewis, you've been having a few troubles with your mouth recently. Do you want to talk about those? <laughs> <laughs> Look, the listeners, listeners of Thamesmead don't need to know about it, but I'm going to tell them anyway. <laughs> I've got a burnt mouth, Thamesmead. <laughs> I burnt it on dinner. Right. The un, like an, the, the, another underground part of the plot was this, like, the cab drivers being, like, having, or, like, they're going, they're driving to the World Cup and they're a big part of it. And then these cabbies get to a, get to such a status that they're then invited to the wedding. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Oh god. Um, we should probably say that. Um, one of the so there's one major plot twist in this film, and well, there's a couple. The first is there's a car crash, which puts Santi Munez at Munez out of the World Cup for Mexico, um, and. All the others seemingly escape unscathed, apart from Charlie Braithwaite, who at several points um, is seen like kind of clutching his head in pain and kind mm. of getting blurry vision. He then um, has an aneurysm and dies. <laughs> Just like that. Uh, <laughs> bish, bash, bash. Rest in peace, sir. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace. No, it's but important. Kind of in, in, in the time in between, yeah, he falls in love with this beautiful. Like Eastern European Italian woman. Is she Italian? Italian? Yeah, Hollywood star. Apologies. But she meets no, they they meet on the Romanian film set. So uh, I can see where you're going with that. And then Oh yeah, so they got they got engaged. 
after meeting each other about two and a half times. Yeah. And then in the end, um, Liam, the other guy, takes Charlie Braithwaite's glory, steps into the limelight and proposes to this woman called June, by the way. <laughs> Did anyone know that? <laughs> this plot line was very strange as well. Who um, is, the, is the mother of his child. Yeah, who he but... He only found out about during his time at the World He Cup. finds out that he's got a kid and he honestly doesn't break stride. No, no. he walks out. The woman goes, oh, and Bella, this is your dad. And he kind of has like a half smile, then looks at the ground and turns around and walks out yeah, of the room. Yeah, says something like, uh, she's gorgeous. <laughs> that, that whole story line <laughs> was ridiculous. Uh, but the thing that really let me know that this is truly shoddy was like a tiny thing, that when we're at the funeral for Charlie Braithwaite, rest in peace, his fiancée-to-be, it's like, it's just the most, like, it's the most basic, like, film move ever is getting someone to tell the audience what's happened because they haven't had the budget to show it and she says yes and of course we're all had gathered here today because charlie sadly died from that aneurysm that he got because of that car crash that happened that no one noticed and it went unnoticed and now he's dead <laughs> it's like because they hadn't they did, hadn't known how to like creatively yeah, show yeah. us any of that so she just comes and stands in front of the camera and tells us what's happened the same kind of thing happened with santi when he's talking about rods Roz was the only she good was, thing about these films and she got she yeah, got yeah, killed yeah. off. And Santa, I hope she's happy point, though, to be fair. Yeah, they're standing in the stands. Um, As you do. Watching, oh no, they're standing in an exec, executive box mm. of watching one of the matches and Santi just breaks it to someone. Um, yeah, things didn't work out. Like I was so horrible. Blah, 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 blah. Wait, where's he from? <laughs> you do realise a poo has just been written out of a Simpsons show. <laughs> We don't want Footy Flits. Footy Flits is inclusive. <laughs> footy Flits could do with some scandal. Yeah, I can't, I'm not I'm not capable of doing a better accent at the moment. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he breaks it to whoever this person is he's speaking to that him and Roz didn't work out. He was an idiot. And yeah, that's it. It's a, yeah, it's another no, case of we can't show you what's happened, so we're just going to tell you. Yeah. It's so... Couldn't afford to get the actors back. Yeah. So they just wrote them out. Yeah. Also... Um, there was two other lines that made it the worst film I've ever seen. One was that Santiago Munez signs for Spurs. Yeah. That's just a disgrace. <laughs> and the second And it's one, not, no, no, no. It's not the Spurs. I've signed for the Spurs. He, oh. <laughs> and if the if any of the writers would like to make themselves known, I'd like, the dialogue, the script of whatever it is, was the worst ever. When um, Liam Adams yeah. is about to cheat... Number six playing centre-forward, by the way. We'll get on to that later on. <laughs> Liam Adams is about to sleep with a woman while he's at the World Cup, but yeah. his mind's clouded by him having a baby and he's just found out. And midway through their little romantic encounter, he says the line, any other time, I'd be all over you like a rash. <laughs> <laughs> Who would write that into a film? It's just, that's the least sexy line. I'll ever be all over you like flies around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I think back to, back to the dialogue of these two English players, it was really just a shocking attempt to imitate like football chat. This is what, this people. is the image they're trying to portray to the world of yeah. what football is and people that like, and then they were portraying what people that like football are like in like the cabbies. It was just like, yeah, just awful. It was, it was insulting yeah. to think that football fans are that stupid or Geordies yeah. are that stupid. Terrible. I felt offended. 
Yeah, I was as well. Mm, good, I'm glad we can talk about it. Did I can. I just bring up my favourite moment of the entire. This is the film that. I, this is the time I actually had to pause the film to laugh, which doesn't happen much in these. But uh, so Charlie Braithwaite's dead. The other one, Liam, has just scored a goal in like the World Cup. Is it World Cup final or something? I don't even know what's going on. World Cup semi final. I think. Does he miss the penalty? Yeah, the that's at the end. But just oh, okay. before that, he scores. Because he does something which gives a reason for him to take his top off. And underneath his top, it says like R.I.P. Charlie or whatever. And then the the camera goes to Charlie's old uh, fiance and she's pissing herself. (laughs) (laughs) She like, it's like the actor, the director has clearly said, all right, so you've just seen it. You're going to have, let's try and conjure up like, oh, you have quite a nice little happy memory of Charlie just reminded to you. Maybe you think about a good time. But instead, we've got this exactly massive feeling, about. a massive like moment of Char- Mark, rest in peace, Charlie, and she's just pissing herself. <laughs> I remember the scene. <laughs> it, also, was, oh, it was brilliant. Uh, we've got I'd still rather watch this than Shaolin Soccer, by the way. <laughs> I was going to answer you that later, but you've answered. Um, we've got another cameo. Do any of you remember which one? Ooh, give notice. us a clue, give us a clue. The England coach. Oh, he was in Football Factory. He Tamir was the, Hassan. He was the um, Chelsea... Oh, Millwall? Fans. He was the Millwall fan in Football Factory. He was good in Football Factory. Yeah. What did you think of him in this? What I thought about him was, it was weird how in the other films they'd had more access and more budget to like get involved with the squads and film in that sense. And the way they just CGI'd each other on to the end of the bench in this film was just... Uh, I, uh, it's not that interesting. The, the CGI yeah. and the the blue screening <laughs> really dropped off a cliff yeah. in this one. I mean, in the past, in the previous two, it was of a standard that you can think, you know, like they've tried here. Yeah, they've given it a go. This one was bend it like Beckham esque, but with none of the charm. Yeah, and they weren't in on the joke. seriously as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. This wasn't <laughs> meant to be kind of funny at all. I end up being, it ended up being. I'm picking up on a theme from previous weeks. Last week we had Carlos's like tragedy meter of like every single character because it's like an Americanized film. House have had this massive thing they've gone through, but now they're battling back. It's just so boring. But that was the the one th- the one consistent that was brought between goal one two and goal three is that every single character had a tragedy. I've got it written down here. So it started off as the Green Street bloke, Charlie Braithwaite sits down and says he never knew his parents. And then the woman that he's trying to get with says, yeah, I never knew mine either. Oh then he ends up dying. And then then she then she ends the film announcing to the world that he's died of an aneurysm. We need some sound effects for each of these, like, ding! Each <laughs> and, tragedy. And then I think the the extent to which I didn't didn't care about this film was that when, when Sansi, like, it should be a massive moment that the main character of all the films can't make it to the World Cup. And he, he announced, like, he's lying in a bed and they're like, oh, yeah, he's not be able to play for the World Cup. I honestly felt absolutely nothing. No. Like, that may as well have been, like, an ad break that was going on. Well, I, I wrote down something about In fact, well. this film reminded me how much I love ad breaks. <laughs> <laughs> it, it needed a few. But I wrote down in that line as well, the guy's just broken his arm. He doesn't need someone to reveal to him that he's not going to be fit for the World Cup in two weeks. <laughs> Anyone who's just broken their arm knows, and and he he accepts the news as well. He's like, oh, I'm missing the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, no, you he know says, that. He says, I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the doctor already told me. I've got one more quote if you want to hear it. Yeah, I'd love to. With goal three. This is how insulting it was to the intelligence of everyone involved mm. in watching and being in the film. He goes, uh, Charlie Braithwaite talking about his new actress or actor girlfriend says, yeah, she's off to Hollywood just like shooting some pilot. And then Liam Adams responds saying, shooting who? And he goes, it's just like, ah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone notice before um, Adams discovers Charlie on the floor post aneurysm in the toilet? Did he notice what shoes he was post wearing? Post death. Post. <laughs> <laughs> Did yeah. anyone notice the crest? Pre post death. Pre- no, what was he saying? Velcro umbro. Oh. <laughs> he was wearing Velcro shoes as if one of England's star. One of the best strikers in the country is wearing Velcro umbros. <laughs> and now you know why I say they lost the Adidas money. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they came a, a long, long way. Yeah, they really did. That silence sums up how everyone's soul feels after watching Gold Free. Just oh. empty. Something else that sums up the success or lack thereof. Yeah. With this film, it went straight to DVD release. Oh, oh. Did you know that? It was never, and that's actually it was never in a cinema. If we'd have known that, what? We'd have known that what? Carry on, this. <laughs> no, you carry on. Yeah. If we'd have known that, I'd have never sat there and watched it. <laughs> I actually think it's quite impressive that a film that had such cult following for it one and two could not even make it to the cinema for the third one. When I've told people that we're doing this show the one film that everyone said you're, all you're going to do is goal. And for them to have goal one and goal two and then the third one not even get into a cinema is that is stunning from them. A I, stunning fall from grace. That's yeah. remarkable, isn't it? It's remarkable. <laughs> Richest to rags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Tweet in with the hashtag Riches to rags. <laughs> and include some stories of famous Riches to rags stories if you'd like as well. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's really nice. That's a really nice touch. Also, Joe, have you got something you'd like the uh, our, our lovely listeners to tweet into? Have we got a Twitter? No, we don't. <laughs> there is a Twitter in the pipeline, though. Yeah, there is a Twitter in the pipeline. And there is an email, and I'll give it out to you yet again. It is footyflix442 at gmail.com. Last week, we had an email from Michael Owen. This week, we're going to be reading out some of our ones later on. Stay tuned. It's just occurred to me, yep. while everyone was talking about Goal 3, why Goal 3 may, may have been made. Maybe they were contractually obliged to make three when they started. The goal owner, the owner of the franchise said, this is a free film series mm. with the, I don't know, what is it, how does it work in film? Goal yeah. Trilogy does just roll off the top, yeah. doesn't it? They, somewhat, it got marketed as Gold Trilogy. Yeah. They made one, they made two, they realised nobody cared anymore and they were contractually obliged to make it. Can we get actually some... Uh facts and stats about the amount of money that each one made worldwide <laughs> worldwide goal one made 27 million dollars goal and a half. two made 7 million dollars <laughs> and goal three there isn't any data on it it's not available it was a straight not just straight to dvd it was straight to youtube straight to youtube in terms of reviews i'm on um imdb 
other reviewing sites are also available. And I've been scrolling down now for like a, a fair amount of time, and I haven't found anything that's better than a one out of ten. <laughs> I'll give you better than a one out of ten. Go on. Because we haven't done our out of tens yet. Yep. I'm not over exaggerating. I'm giving it a zero out of ten. <laughs> it deserves it. I think that we're going to have to just for today go minus numbers are allowed. Because this is not only this is this 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 is the analogy I'm going to use. If you take an exam and you get an F, then you've failed. If you get a U, then it's like not only have you failed, but you've wasted my time in making me mark this. This film giving it a zero would be legitimizing it. A minus two. Minus you've, two. Not only have you ruined a film, but you've wasted my time in making me have to sit down and watch this. It was an utter waste. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was stunningly bad. Joe. I'm going to give it a 0.5. I'll be generous. Lewis, the big final question, which you've already answered. Yeah. Sunday morning, afternoon, whenever. You've been out on Saturday. Are you putting on goal free or Shaolin soccer? 100% goal free. No. No, <laughs> no let's move on. All right, so I've got, an, I've got a question for you, boys. Yes. Um, and I'm just wondering to what extent you think that the success of football films is kind of limited by the fact that in reality football has just watching football and being a football fan has its own like some kind of storyline and drama so it's really it's kind of difficult to replicate that in film when we already have it basically i think it's a good question because if you offered most football fans a chance to watch 90 minutes of Arsenal against Liverpool on a Saturday evening or 90 minutes of a film about Arsenal versus Liverpool on a Saturday evening of course they're going to go for the actual game so you're right it is extremely difficult to produce a film that's going to match that level of interest but that's why if we go back to early episodes my favourite films have been Shaolin Soccer and Bend It Like Beckham because they clearly used football to push another message and I think that's where football films can be interesting and that's why they have value but where goal why I've been so negative about it for the whole time is because for a younger audience yes the first one was good and even the second had merits but we don't necessarily need a film about football more don't need a film about football as a game or the game of football but you need films that use football to push other messages, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, that is what separates the good films from the utter tat. But I think that, going back to your question, <clears throat> the way that football would always struggle is that it is, like, it's a reality for so many people. So it's very hard to create, like, a dramatisation of something that is a reality for, like, I mean, it's the most followed sport in the world. Whereas, um, like, another genre of film maybe being war films it's very easy to hook people in with just this is about war because thankfully for most of us we've never had to experience war and we never choose to be in that situation so it's very easy to make that seem like an appealing thing that we actually need to have a film about whereas with football you don't need to have a film about it because it's on every day all the time all around the world mm. no i agree and i think it's also you need to kind of have enough football for it to still be like a football film. It's, it's important to like strike a balance between having kind of like the off the off the pitch drama and actually it's still remaining about football, which is one point where this goal three completely failed because it wasn't 
essentially. It wasn't really about football. Nah. It was like no some, way. it was like a rom com, but like an awfully, awfully executed. A one. bad episode of Hollyoaks. It was like a bad episode. Yeah, of it was like trash Channel Five. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've noticed. Other channels are available. Each of each, all of the films that we've looked at so far are all made like pre twenty ten. Most of them are even pre kind of two thousand and eight or two thousand and seven. And do you think maybe that producers and directors have maybe hit like a bit of a glass a glass ceiling with fictional football films and that's maybe why they we're seeing far more kind of like real life documentaries on sporting on sporting teams now or whatever yeah because i people, think because like the punters have a real thirst for like true like real life events yeah and with the the man city for example the man city documentary on amazon like that is that has been a success and it's because like there is like the real life element to it yeah so maybe they've altered what they're doing because they're, st- they're still making it about about f- sport and about football but they're just taking a completely different angle and one that was really going to appeal to people because maybe they got to a point where it was just they were having no success and i mean the the, um, <laughs> the stats the don't lie that's really do back me up i like, think that um sorry yeah we've come in the, if you look at like the post 2008 Football has become, I mean, it was then, but it has since then become even more of a splattered all over the world constant game that's on everywhere. And it's like another, like a, just a massive money machine for every country. So there's much more, there's more thirst for like a kind of insider documentary, like the Juventus one or the Man City one, because it's, we don't want to see a film about, football fans because in for the for the world now football players are already in their own film of like augmented reality and like stardom anyway so what we want to see is an insider of what that life's actually like because for us that life is kind of a weird film that's going on in a different level to our reality yeah i think you've raised like both of what you've said has been great points about there's been a shift into the reality basically echoing that and i think there's two films that sprang to mind one being you were talking about joe the way they've decided to change how to film an actual football match and i know they tried an ambitious film with the zidane film where it's just 90 minutes of him it's a 90 minute film based around footage of just his individual game which is quite it's crazy because even the best players only get about three minutes out of the 90 on the ball so that was one interesting take and then the other I actively one, run away from the ball <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was the Ronaldo documentary that came out a couple of a few years ago now where that just takes you through his day-to-day living and gives you access to like what Lewis was saying someone who is already in a film like reality um, but that leads me on to a question that I have for the listeners if we seem to have come to a point where we've got to the end of the pu- pre-2008 films and we seem like we're opening up to a lot of the new ways that films have been challenged and are there any films that you would want to hear us talk about or explore that could yeah the, the citizens of Thamesmead I've said it before and I'll say it again footyflix442 at gmail.com if you have any requests we've been inundated so far if you have any requests of films you'd like us to review, then uh, we obviously we've got some films in the pipeline, but we'd love to hear what you want to say. Okay, it's the time of the week you've all been waiting for. Joe's excited. I am indeed. 
It's the soundtrack review. (laughs) (laughs) They they set the tone for this film when they started. Pun intended. They did. Very nice. (laughs) They They set the tone for this film when they started it with Biffy Clyro. Oh my god! Life is a problem because everything dies is the name of the song. Oh. <laughs> Can we just like we just Biffy well, Clyro? What is the point? Yeah, and on on soundtracks and Biffy Clyros, Football Focus this morning had Wayne had like a feature of Wayne Rooney in uh, DC, and uh, <laughs> like they're clearly going for like kind of jokey locker room chat. And they're like, oh yeah, he's the two of the DC like American players. Like, yeah, Rooney's coming in here, and he's like, we've it's been really weird the songs that he plays before games to like try and like amp himself up. And then they cut to cut to Rooney. Like, uh, yeah, so like the boys have been saying that you've got a bit of a different music taste. They're like, all quite joking, joking. He goes deadly serious. He goes, Mumford and Sons, <laughs> Ed Sheeran, James Blake. That's really that's me. Oh, that's just pretty much it for me. He's a sweet guy, Wayne Rooney. We, he's, we know that about he's him. He's a toddler. <laughs> Do you know who's also a sweet guy? Ross Barkley. He is a yeah, sweet guy. Did you listen to him? That's saying you're going to say Ross listen, Simpson. No, no, no. Did you listen to him uh, Five Live earlier this week? No, what's he saying? I feel sorry for him, man. Just Why? because he was talking about all of his injuries. You know the guy, he's like, how old is he, like 23, 24? I think he's older now, like older. 24, 25. 24, 25, but he's, he literally listed off about 12, like, yeah. serious injuries. He's, like, fucked his knee, like, fucked his leg, like, yeah. broke, like broken, this, broken a leg in, like, four places when he was playing for England a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, it's proper tragic, proper tragic. I always, I've, I remember thinking it was a bit tragic once, because when he was, like, breaking through at Everton, when he was really, really hot, maybe, like, 20 or something everyone was talking about him and it came to a like a post-match uh, interview with him and he'd like he was like he basically like it's like he'd had a rule that like every six months he has to shave all his hair off and he just came with a complete bald like a bald head he's like yeah mum said shave it so I've shaved it <laughs> He's a mummy's boy. He is a mummy's boy. Footy Flicks is presented by Lewis Fradstone Stubbs Carlos Casman, and me Joe Conlan I also produced and edited the show.